I'd like to take a look at our reading from St. Paul to the Colossians. I have found it a tremendous source of comfort in moments of suffering, especially in moments of physical pain or when things happened in my life that made absolutely no sense. Paul wrote this letter while a prisoner in Rome awaiting trial. Prior to his arrival in Rome, a new emperor was enthroned, Nero. And no doubt Paul had heard all the rumors about this new emperor. Paul, ever the realist, ever the pragmatist, most likely expected that death would be his verdict. What then was the purpose of this letter? Paul wanted to correct a serious error that was creating confusion in the church. The idea that the gospel fell short of meeting the spiritual needs of the people and it needed to be fortified with Jewish theology or theology from pagan religions. Specifically, that Christ was not supreme, but he was subordinate to a hierarchy of divine beings, of angels. That Christ was not God, but one of many mediators, and therefore not unique. That sin was the result not of moral failure, but a lack of knowledge which could be imparted but only after a long and rigorous training from the spiritually elite. And that baptism, while helpful, was a poor substitute for the secret wisdom that one needed to achieve salvation. There are many today who in one form or another believe that nonsense. Paul reminds believers in chapter 1, verse 17 of the letter, that Jesus is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he himself might be preeminent. Jesus, then, is the only begotten Son of the Father from the beginning. He and he alone, through the sacrificial offering of his life, on the cross, is the savior of mankind, the sole mediator between God and man. There are no other saviors. There are no other mediators. There can be no other saviors, since only he who shares fully the divine nature of the Father could bridge that infinite gap between God and man. Therefore, says Paul, all the philosophical speculations that so often appeal to our fallen nature, to our limited intelligence, are nothing more than myths, backed only by feelings. And for Paul, feelings are notoriously unreliable and more often than not get us into more trouble. They are not truth. Paul, however, says something rather alarming in our reading. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, who is, which is the church. Now, the inescapable question, what could possibly be lacking 
in the afflictions of Christ. For Paul, the Lord's sacrifice on the cross was the supreme act of atonement, the supreme act of reconciliation between humanity and God. But Paul also saw that what you and I do, what every believer does with suffering, can have tremendous spiritual tragedies or benefits to yield to despair or to persevere in hope. And we see this played out in Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 16 through 17. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if only we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 11, Paul repeats himself, but we hold this treasure in earthen vessels, the surpassing power may be of God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not constrained perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being given up to death for the sake of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Our suffering, says Paul, is far from being meaningless or useless, which the world is constantly telling us. It can be offered to Jesus. It can be united with his suffering. But how? How can that be? The answer is one of the reasons I became a Catholic. For Paul, Christ and his church are so intimately bound together. They are inseparable. You cannot say, I'm a believer of Jesus, I'm a Christian, but not going to a church? You're a liar. Christ and church are one. They cannot be artificially divided. This union with Christ begins at the moment of baptism and endures until the moment of death when one sees the Lord face to face. Baptism is not some mere ritual, some rite of entrance into the church, which far too many today think it is. Whether as an infant or as an elderly person, at that very moment of baptism, one enters into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One is identified right there and then as a brother or sister of the Lord and therefore through him becomes forever an adopted son or daughter of the Father. Baptism also then brings all of us into union with one another. None of this lone ranger nonsense. Baptism empowers us to confidently call the Lord's Father what? Our Father. Christ the head is fully integrated with his body, his church, us. Whatever then we suffer, even in approaching death, can never be separated from our relationship with Jesus. It can be offered to him as a gift, united to him, the head of the church. The Christian need never to suffer 
alone. Paul himself suffered a great deal, both physically and what today we would probably call psychologically. His mystical union with Christ allowed him to see that he could bring his suffering to the Lord, whatever form it took, and united to Christ, suffering is robbed of its dark, ominous pall over the soul. It is transformed into hope and into power. What do we suffer from? Is it physical pain that drugs and surgical procedures have not been able to reduce? Is it the pain of dealing with a past that insists on haunting us, robbing us of the present, intent on depriving us of a future? Is it a depression that compels one to put on a forced smile for the sake of others while inside there is a horrible darkness, a despair, that no matter how hard one tries, one simply cannot crawl out from? Is it the pain of watching one's health, or that of a spouse, or that of a friend, or that of a child, decline, and you're powerless to do anything about it? Is it the pain of the uncertainty and the anxiety our moment of history is generating in so many people? Whatever the suffering, the Christian can do something with it, in addition to medication, in addition to medical care, surgery, and therapy. The Christian can also offer it in union with Christ as a gift and say to the Lord, right now, Lord, this pain is the only thing I've got in abundance, and I give it to you. I know a marvelous woman who I believe is a saint who did this most of her adult life. She went through things that would kill you or me. And yet she persevered with kindness and hope and charity. She said, you know, Father, Jesus is always going to take that pain in. It's this, she said, the holy and life-giving cross is waiting for us to willingly offer what we suffer so it can absorb it and transform it. Christ will always help us to carry that pain, that suffering, and give the strength to continue putting one foot in front of the other until at last that time comes when we will be able to lay down all that suffering and then all things will be made clear.